0: Hey, welcome to the Access Podcast. It's Pastor Jake. We're going to be in a Bible in Context episode going through Colossians 3 verses 1 through 17. I got Alec and Abby with me today and we are going to have a blast. So we're going to jump into it uh, really quick. And so wherever you are listening to this from, we hope that it blesses you if you're in your car or if you're working out or if you're on a walk, wherever you're listening from, we just pray that this blesses you and, and and grows your hunger for God's word and to understand the Bible and so we're in Colossians three um this is our what how many episodes have we had in Colossians? I think this is our fifth fifth probably. episode in Colossians and maybe six yeah we're just going through it slowly it's it's a part of it you can't just zip through the Bible you know sometimes when we're preaching we have to do like an overview and we don't get to do verse by verse in depth and and talk and discuss things and so that's what this podcast is the podcast episode is all about. And so as we kind of look back um, on the book of Colossians, I just want to remind us of a few things, some of the cultural uh, things that are happening um, in the city of Colossae. They're battling with two major uh, false teachings or heresies, which are Jewish legalism, which focus on um, really just the religious nature of the Jewish culture, feast laws, food laws, and circumcision, and those types of religious, uh, Jewish uh, religion elements that some of the religious leaders were trying to push on the Christians, and we know that Christ has set us free from all those things because in Christ He fulfilled all those um, all those requirements. And then the second, you could say, heresy came from not the Jewish camp, but came from, more from just the the Gentile camp, which was Gnosticism, which was a like a lowering of Christ, in which they said Christ really wasn't God, and it's like this hyper spiritualization in which personal spiritual experience trumps. Um, Teaching and church history, and kind of the uh, fundamental principles of scripture and God's view. And so, Gnosticism kind of brought Christ down, and Paul is kind of objecting to these different heresies in the book of Colossians, in the letter of Colossians to the church. And there's one more element that I want to bring up today about the culture or the uh, kind of the context of Colossians, which is kind of how the community worked. And so to 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 start by that, I want to share just a quick quick story. You know, I was I grew up in Granville and I lived there with my parents for 15 years. And we had a neighbor who I literally never talked to once in my whole life. And I don't I'm not proud of this, but I literally don't even know his name. I don't know his I don't even know his last name. Like it's that bad. He was two houses down. And It's just so interesting. I think it embodies something that we live in such a private culture in which like everything is private. You come home or you go to work or you go to school and then you come home, you pull in the garage or you open the garage, you pull in the garage, you shut the garage and you don't come out ever again. And it's just like, very private. It's like, I don't know if that, is he a Christian? Is he is atheist? I have no idea about anything in his life. Now that's what we live in in today. um, But that's not what life was like in first century Colossae. It was very, I mean, there was no privacy and the only people who had privacy would be the very wealthy or rich people and everyone else, their whole life was public. So to become a follower of Jesus, everyone would know about it. Like everyone would know about it. So they, uh, in these ancient cities, they would have gods and these little gods that kind of were over different areas of their culture. So farming, weather, family, um, almost every area of life had these gods and they would The people in those cultures would sacrifice things to those gods in order to gain favor inside of the gods. And so, if something was going wrong, they would assume, the people in this culture would assume in Colossae that one of the gods was unhappy, so they have to now sacrifice and do something to gain the favor of the gods. And so, the Christians now, when you're a Christian and you're at this temple for the god of the harvest or the god of farming, and then you had a bad farming year, and so they're like, "We need to sacrifice." And then the Christians are now told by Paul and by Christ that we need to forsake all those gods. The people in the community are like, "Wait a minute," you know. Alec isn't here today. What's going on with Alec? <laughs> and then you go, they go talk to Alec because you know it's it's just a very public environment. It's, it's there's no privacy, and so and Alec says, "Well, I am following Jesus, who's the God of all gods, and there is no other god but Him." Now, it's not just a, a spiritual thing, it's a cultural thing. It's a, it's a political, it's a polit- there are political ramifications. And so to be a Christian in that environment is so radical. I mean, it, it costs so much culturally and socially to be a follower of Christ. And as we read this, I think it, it helps us to understand what it means for us in 2021 to be a follower of Jesus. And then we can learn from the context and the fact that it cost them something in order to believe. And the more that we can understand that, I think the better. And I'd say, let's jump into Colossians 3. So, before we jump into Colossians 3, I'm going to kind of read the last part of Colossians 2, because as you know, when the Bible was written, when Paul wrote this, he did not pen chapter and verse that was added later on. And so, this is one continuous letter. And so, we're going to try to do our best to read it in that light. So, uh, Colossians 2, 20 through 23. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to, to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of man. These are matters which do have the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and humility and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. And so there's that kind of that phrase, fleshly indulgence. All these things are saying you'll have significance and you'll be free if you do all these things, but they have no value in actually helping us grow closer to God. So verse one of chapter three is where we'll start today then. Therefore, referring back to the end of chapter two, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Pause right there. So here we are. This is a, a, I don't know, well-known passage of scripture. Uh, Preachers love to preach this passage. It's it's pretty common. I heard it a lot growing up, but I want to slow down and kind of take it piece by piece and see where we can get with this section. So Alec and Abby, if you guys have any thoughts in this section, please feel free to interrupt me and share those thoughts. But we'll just kind of go through verse one first. So it says, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So when, when Paul is referring to thinking and focusing on Jesus or things above, he's including the entire life and message of Jesus. And this is where it's Sometimes when we're in Christian culture, both of you grew up in the church, both of you grew up like here, I believe, for most of your lives. Sometimes we just say like, think about Jesus, think about heaven. And and it's, it's kind of like up to our interpretation of like what we're actually thinking about, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, it's not necessarily something specific we think about, but it's just think about good things, you know, mm-hmm. instead of bad things. And so do you guys have anything to add in that regard? Um,
1: just similar. When I was baptized here, actually, as a child, I was like, okay, this is like a spiritual thing. And like, I'm in the line going up to the, like the tub and I was like, okay, I got to think about, I got to think about Jesus. So then I'm in line. And I'm like, think about Jesus. And then I get close and I'm like, you got to think about Jesus when it's happening because like, this is a spiritual thing. And then I like got baptized, got distracted, got out and was like, ah, dang it. I didn't think about Jesus. <laughs> and it was just like, that was my childhood understanding of like, ponder, ponder, sit on it, think of it, think of it, think of it. Don't, oh bird. ah man, I'm not spiritual anymore. Just that distraction and that, that was my concept of spiritual things and dwelling on Jesus was to make sure it's always on your mind at the right times.
0: Yeah, in the right things. Mm-hmm. And it's not being specific. It's like, no, just think about these conceptual spiritual ideas that we don't really have reason for. You know, Not reason, but mm-hmm. it's just very interpretive in a sense, if that's the way I could put it. Um, so it says in verse 1, Seek, or keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is. And so when Paul's referring to Jesus, he's not referring just to this picture in which Jesus is at the right hand of God, which we see he's at the right hand of God. That's true. But he's saying, no, think about how Jesus got there. Think about the message Jesus preached as he was going there. Think about all the things that Jesus embodied on earth as he was going to the right hand of the Father. And so this is where I'll, I'll pause and say, to think of Jesus at the right hand of God is to is to consider the miraculous birth of Christ, his life displaying authority over demonic powers, human systems, and his ultimate victory over death, his teachings and empowerment to follow in his ways of service to God and to others, and his status at the right hand of God is an appeal to show the victorious insufficiency of Jesus, or the victory and the sufficiency of Jesus and his gospel or his message. And I, I pause there because sometimes we read over that and we go, yeah, just think about Jesus. And it's like, no, thinking about Jesus is thinking about everything that Jesus is. And so there's no limit in a sense to how we keep seeking the things that are above except that we understand and keep pursuing and thinking and studying the ways of Jesus and scripture in order to keep seeking those things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys have any responses to that before we move to mer- verse two? Yeah, I'm just thinking, it's like, it's not
2: just that you're focusing on Jesus, even though you should, and it's not that we're just focusing on like the things like the heavenly things the things that are above it's like we're looking at a complete picture we're not looking at any particular part or cherry picking a, a certain thing it's like we have to know who jesus is and the life that he walked out and all the aspects of his character to really set our minds on the things that are above and, and truly be transformed in our minds i think you can't because if you only get if you only have a And if you have an incomplete picture, you're going to have an incomplete transformation in my mind. Mm. You're not really going to be living that that full Mm.
0: transformation life that Christ has called us to live. That's good. And so we go to verse two and it says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Set your minds on things above, not on things on earth. So, Paul, uh, I really see a connection here back to the end of chapter two. In which he's saying all these things that that, that 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 don't fight against fleshly indulgence or earthly temptations and, and influences, and. He's saying the things of the earth are the cultural pressures that are being thrusted upon these Christians. It's these pressures of Jewish legalism. It's these pressures of these gods that, right, that are, they're they're calling for their allegiance so they can be accepted by their peers. And so their family, they're not in the controversial camp in their city. And he's saying, don't think about all those things. Don't think about all those things. Think about the things that are above. Think about the message of Christ to serve others and to have the allegiance. And, and think about the things that are above, which remember Jesus, how he suffered. But now look at him now. He's at the right hand of God. In the same way, Alec, it goes back to your message on Philippians 2 of like when we serve uh, with the heart and the motive of Jesus, he exalts us. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he's saying keep seeking those things that are true. And with all these pressures, remember, they did not live in a private society. They, they weren't allowed just to go and, right, watch the Bible Project videos on YouTube, right? They weren't allowed, like, they didn't have the technology. They didn't even have the space to even have a prayer room because often they were living in little uh, little homes with with you know, six to 12 people living with them. So they didn't have privacy. They didn't have time alone with God. It was like this, it was like this allegiance in which they, the earthly and cultural pressures were on them and and Paul saying, listen, keep seeking the ways of Jesus. Keep keep seeking the truth that you've found and heard in this message of the gospel that Jesus came to save sinners and make them a new creation, a new humanity, which we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. on. We're really jumping into this. This is like, this is, I'm saying, it's like a very dense passage. So we're going Mm -hmm. to verse three um, in chapter three. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Kind of fun imagery. Hidden with Christ in God. So we, and so here's where we'll start seeing the connection of Romans or connection of Colossians to Romans. And so as you study Colossians, you'll see all these theological terms, you're hidden with Christ in God, and you'll see you've been buried with him. And then you'll go to Romans, and Romans actually unpacks it way more. And so you see Paul wrote Romans, Paul wrote Colossians, and you can see the the consistency that Paul was writing to the different churches, teaching them these core foundations in which their life was hidden with Christ in God. So Romans 6, 6 through 8 says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be uh, brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has uh, died has been set free from sin now we have died with christ we believe that we also live with him we are hidden with christ in god and so i want you guys to i'm going to ask you a question then i'll make some comments to to give you guys uh, some time to think but when when that says for uh sorry you have died and your life is hidden with christ in god what are some ways that you think about that and how, what that actually means? Like what is Paul getting to when he says that our life your life is hidden with Christ in God? What what kind of imagery? What are, what are the ways in which you're you're thinking about how what Paul is meaning for a Christian in 2021? And I just love the imagery of being hidden and in which like like our li- my life, like the true life that God has given to me, the true life that Christ has made possible for me to live to love and serve others and live by the spirit it's actually hidden, and so it's not necessarily something that I'm even currently aware of right now. I may have had a glimpse of it, but there's always more in the person of Christ that I can become and so what are some ways that you guys think about that or or not i w- I don't want to say interpret, but mm-hmm. what pictures do you get when in verse three
1: for me at least um mm-hmm. I think just in this conversation, it's an interesting comparison and juxtaposition between we've been talking about how much lack of privacy there is, how much like you're on display. Um, and if you live differently, if you start to follow the way of Jesus, there's like, everybody knows there's no privacy. So just for the sake of this conversation, it's just so interesting to me that like all of a sudden we're talking about like our English word hidden, but like for the, I have the step Bible where you can click and see the word, um, in the Greek. And it's like to hide conceal, to lay up in and store concealed and secret, all those meanings of like how, if you are on display in front of your whole town and you're living differently and you have no home, you have no temple just for you. You're not welcome in the synagogues. You're not welcome in the like pagan temples. You have a home. Your life is now hidden. Your life is now at home with Christ in God. And it's, this hope of even though you have no privacy, even though you don't fit in where you are, um, the way you're living your life now and the way you're living your life towards, you have, you're hidden in him, um, even if you're not welcome where you are.
0: That's great. Alec, do you have any thoughts? I'm thinking. Um, I think that I do. You think that you are thinking? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just processing mm-hmm.
2: all, because I'm also reading like the the message version. Uh, and it says, "Your old life is dead, your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life when Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too um, and I was kind of thinking back to a book I'm reading by um, a w. Tozer called The Pursuit of God, and he talks about how um, he talks about how reality we have a Man, he is so good with words. It's hard to explain, but he talks mm-hmm. about the spiritual being like our reality. And yes, what we're living in is real, but it's not as real as the reality of the, the supernatural or the spiritual. And I was just thinking like, you know, your, your real life is hidden with Christ. It's like this earthly life is not your real life. Your, your real life is the one that's hidden in Christ. It's the, the spiritual life in which your spirit is walking with Christ. And you're just kind of portraying that in your earthly body. That's kind of where my head is at. It's it's a very big concept, but it's like our we're just we're hidden with Christ, and it's almost this aspect of like you have to search it out as well. It's not something that is just found immediately. I love how he talks about um, if you this is skipping ahead a little bit, but in verse ten it says, "And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator." And that knowledge is the word epinosis, um, which is a root word that gnosis is like an intimate knowing, like uh, like very deeply intimate. And the word epa, I believe, is like a true, correct, like I guess you could say theology or just a correct knowing, correct definition. So it's just knowing the true, um, knowing that true life hidden in Christ with like the deep knowledge of who God is.
0: Love it. Let's keep reading verse four says, let me pull it up here, when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. so this uh, this kind of verse just confirms one of the core uh, beliefs of Christian theology, which is the second coming of Christ and the resurrection of the saints. And so he says uh, when when Christ who is our life is revealed, meaning when he comes that second time, when he's revealed that second time, when he comes back for his church and for his bride then you will also be revealed with him in glory. And so there's kind of a few things that he's addressing, but what I'll focus on for this uh, podcast is that we will also be revealed with him in glory. So when Christ reveals and he comes to set up the new heavens and the new earth, Christians will actually be raised back to life with him in bodies and not necessarily just in a spiritual sense. Pastor Dwayne always says we're not little... We're not little uh, angel babies with diapers throwing arrows at each other, but we ac- will actually have bodies when we're resurrected. And that can be confirmed in in so many different passages. But for this sake, I'll confirm it in Luke 24 and then in Matthew 27. In Luke 24, Jesus has just resurrected and he shows up to... Uh, the disciples. And it's pretty funny because like when you read it in Luke 24, like they're all like gathered together and all of a sudden it just says, Jesus showed up and it's just like, boom, he's there. And you just can imagine Jesus in his glorified state. He's no longer right. He's no longer limited by, uh, the, by the laws of nature and gravity and any of those things. And so he shows up and he's there in a body form and the disciples are like, whoa, this, what is happening? And he goes, come and touch my hands. And so they come and they touch the holes in which he still had holes in his hands. And they were like, Whoa. And then they're like, but it can't really be your body. You just showed up. And he says, give me the fish. And they had broiled fish and they give it to Jesus and he eats it. And it's just like this, this almost like mind blowing experience for the disciples and us that Jesus didn't turn into like a spirit in a sense. Like he still had a body. Like that's why his body was not in the tomb. You know what I mean? It's like, He was resurrected from the dead, and he was ascended to the Father. And this is, it happened for Christ, and Christ is the first fruits, meaning that those that pass away who are in Christ, their bodies will be raised up on the last day as well. First the ones who have fallen asleep, and then those who are still living at the second coming of Christ. And this was actually proven in a sense, or this was, we were given a glimpse or a foretaste of this in Matthew 27, that when Jesus is resurrected in verses 52 and 53, that at that moment, the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, the earth shook, the rocks split and the tombs were broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. (laughs) Like they came out of the tombs after Jesus's resurrection and went into the holy city, which is Jerusalem and appeared to many people. And so, a lot of people don't know that that actually happened that when Jesus raised there's all these people the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised back to life and so you can imagine it's like uncle Sally and uncle Rick and you know what i mean and it's my grandma and you know my my cousin just died last week and then all of a sudden like Jesus resurrected and it was like this this cosmic explosion in which the the powers of death we're shaken so much that God gives a glimpse of what's going to happen for all of us in the future, in which our bodies will be raised back to life. Now, those people eventually died. Those people weren't glorified in the state of Jesus, but it's a foretaste of what will happen to us at the se- second coming of Christ. And we're going to keep moving because I'm, we're we're only through verse 4, and we got to keep rolling. So, verses 5 through 11. Abby, would you—or uh, actually, Alec, would you read 5 through 11 for us? Yeah. What are you reading from?
2: This is going to be the NIV. Cool. So, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Uh, new self, which is being renewed in, in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That's some good stuff. There's
0: a lot there. <laughs> There's a lot of cultural, uh, cultural implications for us in that last verse 11, but we will not jump ahead. We'll take it one piece at a time, slowly doing the, the scripture justice, So it says in verse 5, therefore treat the parts of your earthly bodies as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. What do you got to say about that, Alec? It just,
2: you know, you read it earlier. It brings me back to to Romans 8 where he says, um, or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? Oh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I think I read that
0: right. No, that, that's, that's um, great.
2: But it's just like, put it to death like that. I'm trying to... Is it, A lot of us say we're Christians, and I believe that a lot of us had a true, you know, um, transformational experience. But it's like, how do we get from... Calling ourselves Christians and having that that like taking on that new life, but then still struggling with these things. Like, I want to get your opinion on that. Struggling with sin. Yeah, I know that like we're human and we're not perfect, but it literally says put them to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature. So, I kind of I have an idea. It's just sacrificing the self like every day, you know.
0: But I'd love to hear what you think that looks like. So. I want to clarify your question, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this too. Um, but so, your question is, how do we continue claiming to, claiming to be Christian if we still have sin? Well,
2: obviously, <laughs> that's kind of like a, it's a big question. But yeah, essentially, it's like we have like we 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 claim to be Christians. We have that transformational experience. You know, we we take on the new self because we're baptized into 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 death and then raised back to life with Christ. So it's like why This may be going way too deep, but why do we have to put to death, therefore, like, again? You know, why is it that we keep, like, these things keep coming back? Probably because of sin, but I just want to hear you elaborate
0: on that. So why does sin keep creeping back if we're dead to sin? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I guess how I'll respond to that is we're dead to sin in the... in the eternal effects of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so death had its grip on the human heart in which because of humans were lost and broken and dead in their sin. It says we were dead in our sin, right? Meaning we couldn't get our way out of it. They tried the feet. They tried, right? The sacrifices, they tried the temple, but that was insufficient to forgive the sins of humanity. It, It played a part in the redemptive story of of humanity, but it was insufficient. And so Christ came to die, and it says that our sin was imputed on him. So Christ took on the sin of humanity, disarming the powers, the the demonic powers that we're holding, and he actually took our sin, right? So our sin is dead, meaning that it's on the cross. Now, this is what we're kind of referring to, the not yet already. And it's just this idea that in the sight of God, he looks at us, as if we've never sinned that's what justified means that we are justified by faith we have been saved by grace through faith so we're justified god looks at us and he lo- sees christ when he sees us and so we're dead to sin in the sense that sin no longer can kill us like we're dead be because the sin is was died on the cross with christ and i hope this is making sense um but there's still what's called sanctification, which is the working out of your salvation. It's the purification process. It's learning to become more like Christ over time as we are empowered by the Holy spirit. And as we grow in Christian community, um, and ultimately this being dead to sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, like being dead to those things, isn't necessarily mean that we'll never have these sins. It, 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 but it doesn't mean that we need to put them to death. It's like this very nuanced and I'd love to hear maybe your response to what I'm saying Abby um because there is a part of it that it's just saying that 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 I believe is really true is that if you're not killing your sin, it's killing you um that in the sight of God he's forgiven us, but we still have a personal responsibility to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that sin sin against a holy god is is not something to be taken lightly. So I fumbled my way through that, but I'll let you respond.
1: Um, I think for me, it's, an, I have no answers. I just have opinions. That's all I got. For sure. Um, yeah. thoughts. And, but for me, something that Bible project has really been helping me understand is like in the garden where like quote unquote, our perception of perfect or great or like the best we've ever had. Um, there was potential, and there was choice, and there was um the the moment where you had a crossroads of can i can I trust God's good for me and his definition of good and evil, or do I take it and seize it for myself and keep alive my definitions of blaming others for my own guilt, defending my own pride, my own survival, that like survival instinct we have or the human nature and so they chose the. To define it for themselves, and we have our human nature. Um, and Bible Project has helped me so much because I used to reference it as like Adam and Eve made a choice, and now we're all stuck because of them. But like they, in, with their beautiful animation style, they show like the crossroads between Babylon and like the set up goal of Jerusalem, and like you can choose here. And then another time they like, they do another crossroads for people. Like you can choose this or you can choose this. You can choose your definition of good and evil and power, um, and fulfillment, or you can go after God's definition. And it's a very strange definition because it's death to us. It says, die to this, die to that. You've died. And we're like, well, I don't want that. So I'm going to go over here, um, And so something that they really changed my frame of is Dr. Tim Mackey talks about how like we have this perception of the garden as perfect, but the garden was potential. It was like the animals weren't even named yet. Things weren't done. There was like, there were things to do. There were choices to be made. And our role in our new humanity, the role of that the goal of humanity was to take that potential and run with it was to what, what are we going to do in partnership? Um, Being the image of God and walking that out. And so for me, just something that Bible Project has really helped my reference for is that I daily still have that choice and there's daily still that potential. And what, what are we going to do? How am I going um, to trust his definition of good and evil today? Or am I going to pick up my own and that um, the, the price that Jesus paid, I fail and I fail and I fail, but I get to, because of what he's done, I get to pick back up again and run after that imago day, that image of God. Um, And so it's like a daily happening where my reference I used to have was like, the garden happened. It didn't happen again. Jesus happened. It didn't happen again. I accepted Jesus and now I'm going to be in heaven one day. And it was like this really like four events and that's it. But it turned like just really seeing the Bible in its cultural context and really uh, submitting to community and not having all the answers. It's a daily walking out of, like, we are actively participating in potential hmm. um, every day, and we have that choice before us every day. Um, and so that's just a frame of reference that helped me hmm. um, see it as a daily potential and not just, like, well, I I accepted him, and I'm going to be in heaven, but what do I do today?
0: Yeah, and what do we do if we're in these sins? Mm-hmm. Does that mean we've lost our salvation? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us? And I don't think... I I don't like those, I don't like when people ask those questions, have I lost my salvation? Because I think it it comes from a sincere place and what it comes down to is like, so this passage specifically, right? We add our own questions to these verses. And so Mm -hmm. what it comes down to is uh, verse five, treat your bodies as dead to sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire. And then verse six, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And because of these things, not, that's not an exhaustive list, but it's an example of things that why God's wrath has to come against sin, not people, mm-hmm. but sin. And, and then it says in verse seven, and in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. But, um, and so he's basically saying, be separate. <laughs> like, like you used to walk in these things don't walk in Mm -hmm. in them anymore because that's why Jesus had to come in the first place to take on the wrath of God. Like that's why Jesus came is so that we didn't have to walk in sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed. So it's not necessarily what it's not, this isn't necessarily answering what if I am in those things? It's answering. That's why Jesus had to come in the first place. So put it to death. So do what you can to grow in your sanctification. And we've talked about this in the sex, sex and God series of like, It's not about being perfect. It's about being honest. Mm -hmm. And whether it's sexual morality, whether it's impurity, passion, desire, or greed, it's not necessarily about, oh, putting to death these things means I'm perfect. It means it's a heart posture of desiring to be holy or set apart in our culture so that people look at us and when they see us, they can see God Mm -hmm. and they can see the love of God and the work of God in our lives.
1: Yeah. Um, One thought real quick that I had is, Like Jesus even says here of the now and the not yet. Well, sorry, not Jesus. This is Paul writing, Colossians, right? Paul is writing and encouraging in that we have died and my life is hidden in Christ. And then when Christ who is in your life appears, we will also be with him in glory. And so he's saying there's something right now, but there's also something coming. And it really makes me think of like God coming as human and living as Jesus with desires, with temptations, with that daily choice to be made. Um, And exampling to his disciples and to the people how to walk out that daily potential and that choice. And then he was new and he showed us his new body and he was completely new. And it's saying we get to be like that one day, too. But right now in our humanity, in our current humanity, how do we walk that out? And like other people see us like, yeah, I feel that, too. Yeah, I have those temptations, too. Oh, yeah, I totally want to eat all of that as well. But it's saying, like, I'm living for something different now, and we get to be an example in that humanity that Jesus bore to. Um, but we have something to look forward to.
0: That's, that's a great connection. That's awesome. We're going to keep reading. But now, also, verse eight, but now you also rid yourselves of all of them. So it's kind of another list. <laughs> we see sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed. And now we see anger wrath malice slander and obscene speech from your mouth do not lie to one another since you stripped off the old self with its evil practices and then put on the new self which is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it a renewal in which there is no distinction between. Or actually i'm not going to go there yet so <laughs> verse 10 we might not get through verse 17 we might only get through verse 11 today <laughs> because we've had some uh, great conversation but let's kind of go there it says in this new list this new list of ridding yourselves of anger, rage, and malice, and slander, and obscene speech from your mouth. Um, I, I'm looking at this and I'm going, "Wow!" Like it's it's a call to be separate. It's a call to be. We'll get to it and later on. We're gonna go through it. We got we got till eleven fifteen at least. But um, it's a call to be separate. It's a call not to be. Uh, it, it's called to be a a follower of Jesus in the most practical of ways. It's calling to, to live in the way of Jesus in our speech, in our, to not get angry, to not be wrathful, to not be vengeful, to not slander one another. And so many times, like, right, like we brought up sexual morality, and I think earlier, and that's why we're kind of like touching around because so many people struggle with sexual sin. And so we're like, we don't want to make people feel like they're not saved because they have sexual sin or they might be greedy. But now we're getting into slander. And it's like, man, like God is not just worried about, right, what we worry about which is often the sexual morality god's like slander like get rid of it which is um which is speaking against other people and ruining their reputation whether it's on purpose or an accident and he's saying listen be separate you live in colosse you, you live in this culture in which in which people hate you because you don't you don't follow the gods don't slander the people that are hating you love the people that are hating you and put on this new self, which is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Basically saying, be renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of Christ. So live as Christ did when he was facing the same pressures that you're facing right now. When people slandered Christ, he was hanging on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When Christ was slandered by the Pharisees, he, he, he just kept his mouth shut and he allowed his actions to speak Um, better things his actions to model what it looks like to be this new type of human in a world that's full of vengeful people and selfishness and pride and misunderstandings and deceit and so as we kind of move into verse eight do not lie to another one other strip off the old self with evil practices and now we're in verse 10 put on the new self which is being renewed We'll talk about the new self on this next section. And then now verse 11 I wanted to chat about. I'd love to get your thoughts of this. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and in all. Abby, what do you got to say about that? That sounds like it's right up your alley. If you wanted to share some comments on that.
1: um, I don't necessarily have. It's just... I love taking this, like this paragraph, the, I think the eight to 11 and then the 12
0: to 15
1: all together in one big, Okay. because I think it's important to keep in reference before, right before in Colossians two, he's saying, people are saying, no, don't touch, don't touch, don't eat, don't do that. And it's like all like what we often grew up with our understanding of Christianity is a list of don't swear, don't have sex, don't drink, don't do this and you'll go to heaven. Um, and he's saying like this legalism on one side, um, isn't the answer. And so, but then he goes into a list and you're like, well, what is this? And like, you sit like, don't do that. Don't say those things. I thought I was just like freed from this, but, um, that he's going through and saying like, um, I think you were wanting to get me to talk about race and the, and the distinctions between right there, but, um, in, in a good way, not in a trying to trick me way, but just that it's all one big picture of like who we are now. Like before is like this list of what to do and what not to do. But here is like, this is what we aren't anymore, but huh. you can't have just that without the next part of what, like we're not just supposed to be empty. We're not just supposed to not do that, not do this, never exist. Like it's coming to this whole part, this next yeah. part of what we are now and not just what we don't do. Um, yeah.
2: I have something. Um- kind of tap like wrapping it all together i'm just reminded of galatians 2 20 where it says i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me the life i now live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself up for me um and kind of tying that back into uh where he talks about in 10 you know put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of the creator Like we don't realize like it's not we that live anymore, it's Christ that lives within us. But in order to know who who that new person is, like we have to intimately know and chase down that relationship with Jesus. Where I think it goes back into where we're talking about verse three, like your life is now hidden with Christ. Like you have to be able to to seek out that new life with Christ. Like you have to intimately know who Christ is before you can walk out this this new life which we're called to which it gives us like sort of a description therefore as god's chosen people you know clothe yourselves with these things but um i'm also reminded of um it's philippians two twelve, where it talks about continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling like it's not a an instant thing it's a process which we have to walk through of intimately knowing god so that we can we can become more like jesus and and i'm just thinking you know as um It's talking about there's no Gentile or Jew. Like, we're no longer in the world. It's Christ that's in us. And what was Christ? He was a servant. So there's no longer these denominations. There's no longer these separations. There's just a group of people who are serving each other. Hmm. It says, but Christ is all and is in all. We're no longer these different factions of peoples. We are Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we're all working together as one body, not separate from each other.
0: That's good. So let's keep reading to verse 12. You want to read it for us? Sure. We're going to we're gonna work all the way through because we got to. We got time.
1: Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, did you want me to keep going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and above all these, Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called, in one body, and be thankful. That's the ESV.
0: Sweet. So, what were you tying together then in your previous thought with the verse eleven?
1: Um, pretty much what Alec is saying. Like, it's all flowing into one. Like, it's these are the things we don't look like anymore. We don't do, and then like the old distinctions that humans have written between, if you look different, if your body's different, if you have different money, if you have a different like social status, all of that's gone now, what do we look like? And then we're in now defining the things that we look like with, um, compassion and kindness and humility and meekness. Um, and the upside down kingdom of like the way you think is to grab power is, is not at all the kingdom. Um, and so for me, it's really important to, we can easily go through the lists. Mm. If we don't remember Colossians two, we can go through the list and say, okay, won't do, won't do that, don't do this, I won't do that. And then just like control your life. But what Alec is saying with the, the knowing, it comes from like, forgive others as God has forgiven you. And you can only have that forgiveness if you've really comprehended and experienced that forgiveness for yourself. Um, Instead of just like, I think maybe God did that. So this person just tried to murder me. Like Jesus was like murdered and he forgave. And that's like, we can't even comprehend that. We don't have that within ourselves. We need to know him. We need to grow in that and comprehend that and like meditate on that and be growing in our meekness and our compassion and our kindness and looking like Jesus and filling ourselves with these things, not just not doing the things that other people are doing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm making a connection back to even the beginning of Colossians 3. Mm -hmm. It's like, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. And it's your God's chosen people, in verse 12, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. And it's this, the... The putting our mind on heavenly things is literally to put our mind on verses 12 through 15. It's Mm -hmm. saying this is who we're called to be. This is who God's inviting us to be. It's not a white knuckle, oh, I need to be more patient. It's a, we've seen Christ and how he modeled this. And there's the lists, but he's calling us to be a type of people Mm -hmm. in which we're not distinguished by differences or Um, social classes or wealth classes, but we're defined by our love for God and our love for one another. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's beautiful. I'm going to let Alec kind of add into this too. Yeah, I mean, it just, it goes back
2: to, I was reading just the the last part. Um, We talked about, uh, we talked about Philippians, you know, back when I got to speak, it says, and all, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's like, we're called to love just as Christ loved and, and walked it out in um, like devout service to one another and to Christ. And it's that that love that binds us together and sets us apart as a whole. And from that love and that um, that intimate relationship uh, with Christ that teaches us how to love, I think all these things he also teaches us how to put on, you know, um, humility, gentleness, patience, kindness. You know, It all stems from that knowing of Christ.
1: Um, I'd love to go back to Colossians three ten, Okay. talking about have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator and to go a little bit back right before the 10, cause the, where they cut off things is weird. It says you have put off the old self with its practices. And so something I'd love to talk with you guys about is, so how do we as Jesus followers, what are the practices that lead to like? um how do we practically walk this out today how um if we're putting off the old self with lying and cheating and stealing and slandering and getting angry and like the little things too and putting on this new self that's being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator we're like okay how do I renew myself in knowledge in the image of my creator like how do we walk that out now what do we do as a community trying to seek out to lay down these old things, to do it first alone and then with community and then with close people and accountability partners, like what are all these words of that we've we've figured out how to follow Jesus as a community and how do people listening, how do we do this practically? Is it just no, don't do and do, or how do we renew ourselves in the knowledge and how does this look like for us?
0: Do you have any practices that you'd recommend? I do. <laughs> share them, I'll share some too. Um, oh, i want you to go first though
1: thank you i didn't want to talk the whole time no though. go for okay. it um for me <laughs> no, it's gonna be weird because it's just okay gonna be over. i'll share do you guys I'll, have I'll any share. ideas I can, I can go i can go for <laughs> me and then it's just gonna be me talking again. for
2: one i think um you know we always want to find a quick solution to whatever problem it is that we're facing you know like if i'm you know, having sex outside of marriage, you know, I guess, well, the answer is to stop having sex outside of marriage, or if I'm lying, (laughs) stop lying, but, or, like, if just whatever we're caught up in, like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter, we just want a quick fix, Mm -hmm. and I think we've lost the ability to just stop um, and ask, you know, like, what the Holy Spirit is saying, because I think we, we forget, like, yeah, even if we our, if we, even if we don't have like a quiet time that we're dedicated to or like you know we just we read the Bible whenever we get the chance or like it doesn't really matter. I think we've just missed the fact that we can stop and ask the Holy Spirit, you know like what is going on in this moment and what he wants to do. Um, and I think the more time that we spend in those moments and just getting to know God and getting to know his heart, I think mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit will quicken us. I don't think I know that he will quicken us in those moments to resist, you know, the old practices that we've been stuck in, whether it's slandering or gossiping or, you know, um, just going too far in a relationship or like whatever it is. Like if we will give into the Holy Spirit's like beckoning, if we will stop and take a second to pause and just realize where we're at and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to do or how he wants you to proceed in a situation, I think that is a big um, that practice of, you mm-hmm. know, every uh, every Christian should have is just pausing, you know, and asking the Holy yeah. Spirit.
1: Definitely.
0: What, what I'd share is not as spiritual as that. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd share is like literally stop uh, listening to toxic voices on YouTube and podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially in the po- political realm, that's where I'll kind of pinpoint all of the rage, the slander, the wrath, mm-hmm. you know, all the anger that we have. It's like, I don't think Christians realize how angry they are mm-hmm. today, like in t- 2021. Yeah. It's like, whether politically or you know COVID related, it's like, we want answers so much that we go on YouTube and listen to nine people and they all have the same opinion and they're all bashing the other side. And it's like, and what we don't realize is happening is that when you're consuming that information in such a spiteful and arrogant and mean-spirited way, like you're Mm -hmm. consuming this, and I I say that because it happened to me, (laughs) um, is that you don't realize is that all that anger is getting in you. And then you're projecting on, on people and you're not giving them the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, And so like, you're projecting it on your family members who agree with the people that the people that you're watching on YouTube are bashing. And I would just say like, literally, like it all changed for me when I got off Instagram, like, and I got off YouTube and I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm done. Like I'm done. I don't like the person I'm becoming. And I'm going to fill my mind with like encouraging sermons instead. I'm going to fill my mind with scripture instead. And I'm just going to like, give people the benefit of the doubt and love people. Honestly, yeah. it's like, even if they are in the camp that maybe I'm angry, quote unquote, about, it's like, who cares? Like that even gives you a greater opportunity to love that person and to show kindness to them the mm-hmm. way that Christ would. And so that's just that practically, like that might be like, that's not going to revolutionize your life, but it might revolutionize maybe the, uh, Maybe a uh, uh, less than Christ-like uh, characteristic that you might be walking in because of the political, politically and culturally charged environment mm-hmm. that we're in.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, to bring both of your points together, I think something that's um, that like, and from earlier talking about how, like, when we view like the garden as a past event, the cross as a past event, our salvation as a past event, and heaven as a future event, it creates this passivity in our daily life where we don't realize our daily choices, what we're doing and the power in our daily, like what we do when we immediately wake up and the fruit that produces within our day um, and the voices that we choose to listen to and the practices that are a part of not just slandering and anger and all these things, but like, do you have the quiet time? Are you able to sit in vulnerability and say, before I eat this entire pizza at the end of my nine to five workday and I know I'm just shoving it in my mouth in my mess, can I be vulnerable with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and say, "What am I looking for here?" Because we don't want to invite Him in there because that, like, that's our like, that's our scary stuff. That's our mess. Um, and so, for me, just an encouragement is practicing the like. I have some suggestions for resources of practicing. We practice vulnerability with ourselves and with our whole and with the Holy Spirit first, like in our room, within our own quiet time, and seeking and meditating on the Word. And it's actually um, Spiritual Disciplines by Richard Foster, Celebration of Disciplines is actually what it's called, Um, is the first one that I've found that disciplines can be such a hard word, but it's like the celebration and the realizing the practices we can have in our day that help um, create and cultivate the fruit of this new self. Whether like if we're listening to conservative angry voices or conservative liberal voices all day, and then, like, somebody says a viewpoint that you disagree with, all day you've been boiling up the this reaction That's you're not set up to love this person well when all you've been intaking all day is leading to a certain viewpoint. And so um, I just really love to encourage the, the choices we have as soon as we wake up, that, like, even psychologically they're studying that, like, what we do with our morning, um, you just pull out the phone and you don't give your brain that time to rest. And so um, – just yeah, the power in the the disciplines is the in his book, which I'm going through right now and just like stuck on chapter one. But um I've read it before but forgot it, is the inward disciplines is prayer, fasting, meditation, and just talking about what those are. Like that doesn't look like twenty twenty-one Christian millennials. Like that's not what happens in our nine to five days. Maybe you can work out after work. Maybe you can squeeze in like your favorite show and then go to bed. But there's fasting, prayer, and meditation as inward practices, outward, simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. And then corporate is confession, worship, guidance, celebration. And so there's different pieces of the puzzle that we all fit into as the kingdom um, on our own, in our own room, and in our own choices that nobody knows about, practicing being vulnerable there. And then practicing being vulnerable with community, and which is something that I really love, what community groups at Access is starting mm-hmm. to really build that practice of.
0: That's great. That's great.
2: We're going to leave you with this as we close out this hour-long section of Colossians 3, verse 1 through 17. Uh, starting with 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful.